right today on the Win Daily Show. I am Michael Rosilla. My guest is Andrew Wolvington, president of Viget. Andrew, how are you today, man? Good. How about yourself? Thank you for having me on the show. It's uh, I just started listening recently. I love what you guys do. Thank you so much. Yeah, we have the daily shows that go out now recently are all about esports. Um, when sports are back, we're going to be having, you know, the daily shows be a little bit more extensive. But hey, man, we're making money. We're making a lot of people money in esports. So hopefully we'll keep doing that. But obviously, these interviews have been a lot of fun really being able to spread some positivity in this weird time that we're in, but also shed some light on some pretty cool industry veterans as well as you know newcomers, relatively speaking, uh, and yourself. And uh, Andrew, as I said, president of Vigit. Um, but the first question that we have for everybody on the Win Daily Show, Andrew, is what do you do to make sure that you're winning each and every day? Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I agree that. Uh, I love that question. So looking at it from a day-to-day perspective, I would say it's simply put, it's progress, not perfection. So every day I wake up, I'm grateful that I put two feet on the ground, um, show some appreciation there, and it's how can I seize the day? And I don't look at the day as a mountain as something that's almost impossible to move. I just say, what can I do today to continue to move the ball forward? And I, I always say people underestimate or overestimate what they can do in one to six months, and they underestimate what they can do in 12 to 24. Uh, and when you look back, it, it's compounded interest, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it adds up over time. Uh, so it's just what what's one thing I can do today to move the ball forward? And, I love that, and I appreciate I that. that. That's good stuff. And that's, that's another one that comes to mind. Uh, another, you know, quote that, that's similar to that. You know, my was one. I my days in finance when I worked um, for a financial firm. It was always a fun one. You know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? Like you're not you can't yep. eat an elephant in a whole bite. You know, it's the exact same thing. And I like the point that you make. You know, people overestimate what they can do in six months and they underestimate what they can do in 12 to 24. I think that, I think I have the, it, it correct there. And I think you're completely correct. You're, you're completely right on that. You know, people think they're, you know, the instant gratification society that we live in now, you know, we think we can do everything that we need to in a very short period of time. When in reality, you just do what you need to do on a daily basis and, and put forth that effort. As you said, the progress, not perfection, we're going to get there in you know, 12 to 24, which is probably the correct way to do it anyway. So I, I love that as well, man. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate that. And couldn't agree more. It's measure twice, cut once. Yes, there you go. That uh, My dad used to teach me that stuff when I used to help him, um, but I don't, I don't really get my hands too dirty anymore. Now I get to speak into a microphone and use my fingers to uh, type, but um, good stuff, man. So yeah, yeah. as I said before, <laughs> president of Viget, um, really, really interesting sports betting social media network with over 15,000 verified users already. What exactly, you know, we have a lot of social media networks. Actually, we don't really have that many social media networks. If you think about it, you have two from Facebook, one from Snapchat, uh, Twitter, and then this really weird one that I don't even want to touch, which is TikTok now. But where do you think, (laughs) and and I guess more importantly, where did the idea for this come from to give sports bettors a place that they can go and I guess feel comfortable, you know, talking about what they like to do on a daily basis? Yeah, and, and I'm sure as you guys have experienced over at Win Daily, it, it's what you're working on today isn't necessarily what you'll be working on uh, six months from a year from now. Mm-hmm. It's very typical for startups to pivot. Uh, so when the original concept for this started, because we were following the PASPA beat uh, back in early 2018, and, and my co-founder and then roommate, Joe Barba, we're sitting there saying, oh, how great it's going to be to be able to just go and, and place a, a place a bet and not have to do it through a bookie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we started complaining about some of the apps that were out there. And we we're like, these guys just don't get it. They, they, they 
the old mentality, and, and I hesitate to even say old, it's still the same mentality for a lot of operators is people are payment shoppers. You just give them the best promotions possible. They don't care what, what the product looks or feels like. Uh, they're just going to go and, and always get the best bang for their buck, which is certainly true uh, for our forefathers and more so baby boomers and things like that. But uh, what we've seen, especially on our platform, is uh, millennials are motivated by three main things. FOMO, fear of missing out. So if all their friends are on the platform, then they're going to want to be on it too. They want to be appreciated. So if for whatever reason they reach out to, to um, your, your customer service department, uh, they, you don't even necessarily need to fully resolve the situation for them. You just need to be attentive and be responsive and let them know that you're hearing them and, and that you're working towards a mutually beneficial solution. Uh, and then third is user friendliness and, and high quality products. It, it, what we found is if it takes a millennial more than eight seconds to figure out how to navigate your app, they're going to close it, and never open it up again. And then that kind of comes back to the, to the fear of missing out. And um, if you have those other two components, then people will be on your platform. So then people, your, the other millennials will want to follow them and join them and be on it as well. Um, so during that early phase, uh, we had this concept of Venmo for sports betting. I should be it, right? It, it's what are the consumer trends that millennials don't even necessarily want anymore? It's a non-starter. You need to have mm -hmm. this in order to have me on your app. It needs, there needs to be a mobile app. You need to be able to, a uh, high level of convenience, which includes peer-to-peer -peer payments, it needs to be user-friendly, and everything needs to be centralized. Uh, prior to Passbook, if you're anything like myself, even with fantasy sports, I'd be sitting on my desktop. I'd have 15 web browsers open. I'd have five different media sites. I've, I'd have five, like a bunch, five different handicappers. I'd be on like the wind dailies of the world trying to get all the information. I'd be sitting there on my phone. I'd have my group text where I'm texting my buddies and I'm like, who do you like today? Who do you not like? Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the, um, the Dane Cook skit. Uh, where he, they, everyone has that friend. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to swear, but they say effing Brian. Uh, it's a famous thing. Cook skit. And uh, everyone has that friend in sports betting as well, where it's like, mm -hmm. Oh, who's Brian taken? Let's text Brian, whoever he has fade him. Brian's got the giants. All right. Dallas all day. Let's go. Yeah. Um, every, everyone has that friend. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so as we started setting, so the idea at first was, peer-to-peer -peer sports betting, big free experience. Uh, so, and that was all based off of our own personal experiences and our friends. Mm -hmm. And as we started to uh, grow the company and started to raise our initial tranche of money, uh, we, we ended up doing a lot of listening. Uh, we went down and sat down with a lot of operators, sports books managers, and, and uh, we just asked them, hey, what problems do you face? What are you struggling uh, solving? Where, what future problems are you anticipating and which has really got to know the industry. There's mm -hmm. a solid six months of that. Um, and, and that's something early on. It's like, what's within your control. It's your time and sweat equity. You, you can do all the grunt work that, like we said, a lot of people in today's day and age almost feel like they don't need to do. They just want to mm -hmm. bypass it and get right to the finish line. Um, but as we were learning it, we, we, realized there was a need for, we realized that there was rapidly changing regulatory environments that made it very difficult for the incumbent sports books to go out and grab market share and do it in a cost-effective way. We realized it was a fragmented industry that there was all aspects of not just sports betting, but sports entertainment as a whole, that, that there wasn't a true centralized place for it. 
Uh, and then uh, going back to the main uh, catalyst, which was just a poor user experience and not even poor. People were pissed. Mm-hmm. People were like, why the heck is, hasn't someone come out with something so obvious? Um, and that's where we came up with the concept of a social sports betting network. And that ultimately came out of the fact that we were sitting there one day trying to get our bets in an hour before game time. And I was, we were looking up information and we were on the Twitters and the Facebooks of the world. And it was like, I was just trying to get to the sports news. It was who, it, it was a big Eagle Street. I'm trying to remember it. I think there was, oh, it was rumors about signing Deshaun Jackson. And it was also, so we were looking through and uh, we were trying to get to the news and I was like, geez, I know I saw this uh, link on Facebook, how far back is in my feed? And I was getting, we were tearing through um, posts about politics, uh, pictures of our kid, of our friends, uh, kids or people buying their first house. And it was just like, I just want my sports information. and I want it now. Uh-huh. It's like the JG Wentworth commercial, yep. my sports and I want it now. Um so we were like, oh, wow, there's a need for a social network that is just sports. Sports are very tribal. And within mm-hmm. the overall sports tribe, there's sub-tribes, right? So you're like, hey, I like sports. And then it's like, hey, I like sports, but I love football. And that guy likes sports, but he loves basketball. And then within the sub-tribes, there's sub-tribes. It's mm-hmm. I love sports, I love football, and I'm an Eagles fan. Oh, yeah, and by the way, not only do I love football and am I the biggest Eagles fan, but I love football more than those Giants fans over there. And so you can create this competitive nature within the sub-tribes. That, that, mm-hmm. And what we realize is that that's just a recipe for success for, for viral growth and marketing. It's mm-hmm. because if you can create a platform for those tribes to compete and then allow them to brag about their prowess and show that they're a better fan or, or that they're a better better to all their friends in the sub-tribes and essentially give people a way to brag, right? Mm-hmm. That we knew that that could take off. So we, we kind of pivoted to that philosophy and, and it all made sense with the pain points of the incumbent operators of, hey, we're having trouble acquiring millennial users and, and retaining them. And we're also having a not only are we having trouble just getting them in general, we're, we can't do it in a cost-effective way. And we can't even necessarily go out and uh, target anyone outside of these certain markets. Uh, so we were like, all right, well, let's just take the social media play. Let, let, it will create a so- niche social network. Uh, and we also looked to a company called Goodreads, which did that for uh, reading books. Mm-hmm. And Goodreads, uh, had a 12-man team, sold for $100 million, and we were like, all right, if there's a proven concept for uh, a social network for book club, we knew there was going to be one for people who like to watch and bet on sports. Mm-hmm. And so it, it made all the sense in the world to us. Um, early on, we started going to industry events hey, being, looking for an let me excuse. Stop. Let me stop you there. I have, I have a couple questions and I think, you know, I appreciate all the information. This is absolutely fantastic. And just kind of seeing the evolution of the way you thought and, and the way you got to where you got to. So you brought up in the beginning um, of, of that, you know, kind of a uh, couple minutes on the company, the, the research on millennials. And now I, I hate that word personally, because I am one and it always comes most of the time with a negative connotation, but where do you go out and you know, how much of this research are you just kind of Googling on the internet versus where are you going out and where are you finding this information? Because again, when you're going to companies asking for millions of dollars, you're going to want some pretty concrete evidence and research on why something like this not only makes sense, but is something that can thrive within this market. Yeah. So 
I mean, you, to an extent, you hit part of the nail on the head in that it all starts with Google, right? Google is a very powerful tool. It allows you access to information that people before us just didn't have. So it all starts on a high level with Google, uh, or you could subscribe to certain databases that that's their business is to go out mm-hmm. and aggregate all this consumer data. And, and, and that's just pay to play at that point. Uh, but a combination of that and Google to give you a high level understanding. Uh, then you start networking and go to industry events. So you and and as you start to network and have the right, uh, you can always buy a cup of co- well. The saying is you can buy a cup of coffee for thirty five cents, but in today's day and age, it's five dollars at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can buy someone a, a cup of coffee, and you can learn a lot about an industry or or a lot about any any in particular vertical that that you're looking to get into. Uh, so it's networking, go to these industry events, and you start to hear the same narratives over and over again. You subscribe to newsletters that are specific to the, mm-hmm. the point that you're learning about. Uh, and then also we have our own data and A-B testing. So we have our own platform now. So we have the benefit of being able to track user journeys and experiences and figure out what screens they're hitting and which ones are not. And uh, we do it. We get a lot of feedback from them. We do a lot like, Hey, did you like option A or option B and survey monkey in and just taking and analyzing that data. Uh, and also we lived it. Right. So, so Joe and I, two of our three co-founders, we are millennials. It, it's so what, and part of the whole genesis of this was just from us being uh, sports fans and sports betters and having a bunch of friends who are, we knew there was a demand for it. It was like, Hey, I know that from the consumer standpoint, there are these pain points. Um, and then, and we took that and we created a hypothesis and a theory, and then it was further validated by the high level Googling and databases, even further, uh, validated by the networking and, um, the industry events. And at that point we were able to start getting those meetings with the sportsbook managers and the different C-suite employees, uh, who ultimately re- that's the real validation. When you, when you have someone who's, a, a head of management or C-suite telling you, Hey, this is my problem. That's all the validation you need. Uh, and then finally it, it's confirmed essentially by our own historical data. We, we mm-hmm. built the platform, got it. And we're, and, and we, we change our tactics all the time. We, we have theories and philosophies that don't necessarily pan out that it's like, all right, Hey guys, this isn't as quite effective as we thought it was. Mm-hmm. Let's pivot slightly or let's not. It, it's an, the answer is it's an ever evolving process. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it's the willingness to admit you're wrong. And to that point, I always think, I mean, I always kind of, I mean, no one loves when they're wrong, but it's kind of nice to admit you're wrong and realize like, all right, like everything I know isn't a hundred percent true. I always love, I mean, I hate, hate, hate politics, but it's so funny just mm-hmm. watching people argue about things and being like, you really don't see the other side. You don't just even like, I don't care which side you're on, but you don't understand where they're coming from. It's kind of ridiculous, but I don't want to talk about that. What I do want to talk about is what is it like, you know, again, you have the idea and the iterate, it's changed over time. How quickly were you able to pivot? And I guess, is there a right amount of time to really continue to try? If you believe something is right, you know, you had this idea originally and then over time it started to change. At what point do you say, okay, guys, you know, we've tried this for X number of days, hours, weeks, months. This is probably the next move we want to make. And now, now we have to pivot. How do you know when that time is right? So the, I want to start that there's no one size fits all mm-hmm. answer to that. Exactly. Um, the, the only criteria that range through is can you keep the lights on? Are you making enough money to keep doing what you're doing? Right. Go. So, so 
uh, and that comes in different levels of success. What, what I would say is a lot of your gut and instinct comes into it. Sometimes like if you just generally believe something, uh, then in order, you got to do right by yourself and your investors, then you got to see if that concept rings true. Uh, us personally, um, because the downside of that, of what I just said is you could end up like one of those people on, uh, uh, the profit, this CNBC show where it's like, or, or bar rescue where they go in and they change up the system and processes because the restaurant's failing. And then as soon as the advisor leaves, they go and change everything back. It's like, Hey, the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So at what point are you going to be like, maybe I, I, I'm not on to something. So self-awareness is huge and I'm, it's not necessarily inherent. Uh, people aren't necessarily born with uh, great self-awareness. I actually find it can more often than not be the opposite. Um, but it, so there is, you got to trust your instinct to a certain extent, but then it's also, you have, you got to realize that no one has conquered the world on their own, right? Alexander the Great did it with an army behind him. Um, so it's, you got to surround yourself with great people. Uh, not ne make sure they're not negative, but make sure they're also not yes men. You don't just want people who tell you yes all the time. You want people who challenge you and are, and are constantly trying to refine yourself, refine your beliefs, right? And that's one of the things we believe in is we strengthen our resolve by constantly questioning what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And if by constantly questioning it and trying to constantly poke holes in, in our philosophies and our strategies, we still think we're doing the right thing that that just makes it more sound and and strengthens our resolve as well so it's surround yourself with great people not not make sure they're not negative make sure they're not yes men and make sure you listen to the great people you surround yourself with um and it's a fine act of balancing that with your gut natural instinct mm -hmm. yeah i think it's it's definitely something where I don't think any business has ever been created and had zero pivots along the way. Um, you know, it's, there's, there's always something you have to do to refine it. And as you said, you know, you had the incredible, incredible, was that a Wawa cup that I saw? It was. <laughs> um, you had the incredible opportunity to sit down with some industry executives, some industry leaders and really understand, as you said, you know, the questions you laid out, what are your current problems? What are some of the future problems you anticipate and being able to kind of understand and other you know, future problems is it's a great question to ask because you can at least see how people are, are assuming the industry will go. But we all know assuming, you know, makes us both look like idiots. So it's one of those things where at least having that understanding of where a collective group of people all separate from each other think what can happen. You can at least pick a lane to potentially go down. And it seems like you guys were capable of doing that. So after some of these, you know, incredible interactions and sitting down, as you said, it took about six months sitting down with all these people and networking when you know how and you were on the the uh the role before and i apologize for stopping but i had some of these questions along the way once you started sitting down with these people and then realizing the direction you could go in how did you start to execute upon okay let's make an actual social media specific you know as you were talking about with goodreads specific to sports betting this you know billion dollar industry if anyone's not watching i'm using heavy quotation marks because we know that number <laughs> probably starts with a t as well um depending on where you look globally so how do you feel about the opportunity, especially again, creating that, uh, that, that industry or creating the social media network surrounding, you know, this incredibly lucrative and cost effective and, and investment heavy industry. Yeah, no. So, uh, like you said, we were having those conversations. We started going to these industry events and, and Joe and I were looking at each other and we were like, 
what are we not seeing that everyone else is seeing? Like, why isn't anyone else doing this? And we started going to like industry specific uh, events and we're basically looking for an excuse not to leave our comfy corporate jobs, mm -hmm. right? We were like, all right, everyone and their mom has thought of doing social for something. I'm sure someone's doing it. Well, someone had to think of this already. And what we found out is not only was no one thinking of it or, or doing it, it wasn't even necessarily on their radar. And, and it was for two things. It was just one, it's it, uh, traditionally, it, the industry as a whole had a very high barrier to entry, whether it was cost effective or illegal in most markets. And so, and when that happens, the, the incumbent operators tend to lose sight of innovation because they don't need to, or customer experience, because it's a convenient, it's like a convenience store. It's like a Wawa or a 7-Eleven. It's, I'm going to go to the nearest casino to gamble and I'm not going to drive an extra two hours to go to another one because I think they have a little bit better of an all you can eat buffet, or I like their logo a little bit better. It's just not going to, it's convenient. So you're going to go to the, the, the nearest um, location and the way PASPA was uh, repealed and, and sports gambling was getting regulated. Jersey kind of leading the charge was they said, Hey, you had to build out your physical retail sports book first. Um, and these operators were already stretched thin. They didn't look, they didn't respect sports betting for the vertical that I think it's proving to be. Uh, they're glorified REITs, so a real estate investment trust. They, they're, they're, a lot of their day-to-day -day function is managing the physical property. They have the hospitality component, the food and beverage, the casino floor. And, um, and so the day-to-day the, uh, -day operations for a lot of these casino operators they resembled much more uh, property managers and real estate companies than necessarily just gaming, as you would initially think. Even today, a lot of these sports betting uh, departments, a lot of the offices are, are in the basement. They, they don't have uh, much of a window, let alone a view. Um, and it's because they really see it as one component in the overall giant casino gaming conglomerate. It's, it's just one cog, cog in the machine. Um, so we saw that value. We were like, all right, Hey, we know they're struggling to attract millennials. We know they're struggling to acquire users in general in a cost effective way. We know they're ignoring the mobile channels, partly because they don't respect it as a user acquisition and a, and a product channel. And they also have to focus on retail. So if they're all, while they're all focused on building out these physical retail sports books, if we can just build the, the mobile aspect of it, and then at the point, by the time they're done building the physical sports books, we can now go to them and go, hey, why you can either build it yourself and take on all this risk, take up all this time and spend all this money, or you could you could just have a turnkey solution by, by creating an account on Bigot and allowing us to be an affiliate for you and integrating you into our platform. Um, now, it, it, it's at the end of the day, when uh, did we know it was going to be a home run? We we believed it 100%. There was no telling us otherwise, but that, that's the nature of a startup. There is inherent risk. So it's, I'll never forget, it was August 2018. I came home from work and, and I walked into the family room and I told, I was like, Joe, uh, I, I left I left my job. I'm doing this. It's There's, there's no way we're going to do what we need to do if we're just continuing to moonlight, moonlight this. Because we were coming back from our, our nine to fives, which for both of us, we, we were in by eight, out by seven kind of guys. Mm -hmm. So we were coming back, we were eating dinner, we were sitting down at like 10 o'clock and we were working from like 10 to two, 10 to three. There, there was a solid three month span where Joe and I were getting four or five hours of sleep. Um, 
at night on, so on top of juggling everything. And we were like, we knew we needed to come full time. So we just, we were reassured by encouraging fundamentals and all the feedback we were getting from the market. Uh, we generally believed in it. We both at heart are entrepreneurs ourselves and, and always wanted to do something like this. And we were only getting older. Um, so we decided to take a leap of faith, but I won't even, so I, I use the word faith and, and I'm a man of faith, but I wouldn't even call it faith because like, I didn't blindly believe, just unconditionally believe it. Like we did have some, some fundamental yeah. research to base that off of. Um, and, uh, and then it was even compounded when we bumped into our third co-founder, Sean Lindsay. So we we're out there raising money and we found Sean Lindsay. He uh, worked at Comcast as a lead developer uh, as a passion project. He had actually built a web-based social network for sports betters over the past eight years. Um, and we met him, we hit it off with him. He really jived with our company culture. And we eventually during our series seed raise, we were like, all right, hey, why don't we put together a strategy to acquire Sean's company, make him a co-founder. That way we're starting off on the 50 yard line instead of the 20. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we have a lot of the, the bare bones of the back end. We'll give the front end a facelift. We'll develop the, the iOS and the Android clients and let's do this. And, and he really, and that was our missing link. We needed someone with the, with the tech, not the technical, uh, wherewithal, the programming ability to really round out our team. And it, it was just a, a trifecta. We've been the three musketeers ever since. I love it, man. That That is awesome. And, you know, just as you said, you know, you had you had the industry information, you had the data, you had the research behind this opportunity. And and now you're getting some validation, as I, as I mentioned before, 15,000 verified users. Uh, you sent me the daily. I can't remember it off the top of my head, like 2000 daily, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. During the course of the football season, we had 2000 daily. We were flirting with anywhere between seven and nine on a monthly basis. Um, and then obviously, given the quarantine, the initial reaction was we saw a dip um but what we're finding is people are are confined to their home they're looking for social engagement in any form of entertainment so we've been pivoting slightly with online poker and we're actually incorporating some esports now esports lines there we go. To, so that way on a daily basis there's more something to do but uh so it, it hasn't been as bad as we thought but it, it, it we're not quite at the nfl levels of having 2000 a day but it, it sports will be back you know, it's, we will weather this exactly, and and we'll weather this storm, and we'll be we'll be stronger for it. This is going to be Absolutely. something looking back. That's a big part of our story. Exactly, it's 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 going to be a part of everybody's story moving forward. You know, two months pretty much required to just stay in your house gets kind of boring. Love my girlfriend, but you know, it's just one of those things. I miss <laughs> seeing other human beings every once in a while. I don't think that's terrible to say. And so, with fifteen thousand verified users, as we said, up to twenty two thousand daily, what? What are they getting? Why are you know what exactly does this look like, and how are you know how what what are the users getting, and then what are those companies that we spoke about before that you're you're helping with on the affiliate side? What are they getting, and how has this created a relationship where people, as you said, two thousand daily users, people are continuing to come back in in droves. Yeah, no, appreciate that. So uh, for our users, they're getting an interactive sports community. So it's one place, essentially they're getting one-stop shopping is, is mm -hmm. the four points I'm going to hit on. Um, but they come to our app, they can upload pictures of their bet slips. They could upload a video of their friends, 
either celebrating a touchdown because they want won a bet or maybe their fantasy players scored or or maybe they, they just had a prop bet and they lost and they're actually breaking down but people love to see that stuff so they're okay. uploading that video uh they can share articles and, and or breaking news so that way they can like prove to their friends that oh hey i was the first one to post this like i got the inside scoop uh, and then just like on any other social media site, you can like, you can comment, uh, and, and all those just like fun interactive things that allow you to gauge with your friends to, through your phone, which it, it, it's interesting. Even today, you go to a bar, a lot of times people are looking down at their phone screen as opposed to talking to each other or looking up and watching the game on the big screen. So uh, I like to consider myself a personable person, and I love meeting face-to-face, having conversations, but you can't ignore the fact that a, a lot of people these days communicate and interact with people digitally, uh, whether it's through a desktop phone today, more than ever with all these zoom meetings and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we created that niche uh, niche outlet for them and, and social network for them to partake in that. Uh, we also offer peer to peer social gaming. So we have the peer to peer sports betting, very similar to uh, in, in theory, similar to Venmo. Now we are not a sports book operator. We do not hold real money. Uh, every, we're actually rolling out our, our virtual wallet. It's going to be out in the next 30, 45 days uh, where you'll, much like an arcade, you'll be able to redeem the points that you uh, mm-hmm. bet with your friends for, for uh, gift cards, vacant merchandise, things like that. And we'll eventually expand that out into other brands. So you'll be able to like, ideally we'll partner with Fanatics if anyone's listening, where we, we could essentially partner with Fanatics and sell their merchandise right on our platform uh, in exchange for, uh, Vega points or an exclusive discount. Um, so the interactive social community, the, the peer-to-peer gaming, whether it's betting your friends, you could also bet the house like a tracker and, and win points that way. Uh, so that's just social sports betting in general. We have some cool uh, weekly pick'em games that's that's similar to Tinder, where you swipe left and right, and that's something we see becoming a, a, a that we're going to expand into more. Is coming up with more fun, innovative, creative new ways to to engage with sports and, uh, or bet on sports. Uh, we originally had a March Madness bracket all planned out, ready to roll out. That was going to be a big new one, but obviously it got postponed and, and kind of that, that was a little bit of a setback for us. Um, and we also offer risk management tools so and, and educational entertainment. So we have our in-house data team. So we'll aggregate all the sports data. We'll show you the public picks versus the public money. Uh, where the seasoned sports better knows to kind of look at some of those different KPIs that the, the sports fan or the casual sports better doesn't necessarily know. And that's one of our missions is to make people more comfortable and, and empower people with their sports betting entertainment. So just because you watch sports doesn't necessarily mean you bet on it. But if you kind of knew how to, to break down the different markets and, and the different matchups and you're seeing all your friends partake in it, because so let's say you and I were to place a bet on the platform that would be injected in the live feed. So uh, I'd be able to see our friends would be able to see that Michael beat Andrew and, and on this matchup. And then here's their personal record between each other. Again, that fear, FOMO, fear of missing out. Um, but then, so you can break down all the data, much like a stockbroker or day trader would. So, and that's something we've also identified about millennials. They love analytics. They love analyzing things. They love coming to their own conclusion based off of information and data. Um, so we'll show you, hey, let's say it's the Eagles Giants. The public may be taking the Giants, but the money, the money is coming in on the Eagles. And what, what does that disparity really mean? 
um, versus comparing both five teams against the spreads on different KPIs. We'll, we'll track line movements for you to say, hey, if you like the Eagles, here's the best time to buy. Or, oh, hey, alert, uh, right before kickoff, the line the line's moving against the birds or for kickoff, that's an indicator that um, maybe you should fade them, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just real-time analytic, analytics and analysis and real-time scores and things like that. And then finally, it's our, our mobile marketplace for sports. So we have this mobile wallet where you can basically uh, get value, some sort of perceived value off the platform, whether it's bigger merchandise, gift cards. And we eventually see that expanding into a wide suite of products and consumer goods. So uh, if you're on our platform, I know you like to bet on the Eagles. You'll probably want to buy a Carson Wentz jersey. You'll probably want to – here's your team. Giants. Giants. All right. So, so you're, I know you like to bet on the Giants. All right. You'll maybe you'll probably want to buy a Saquon Barkley or a Daniel Jones jersey. Um, you'll probably want to buy tickets to the, the Giants Jets game or maybe the Giants Eagles game. So mm-hmm. what we identified from the first time the users uh, download our app and, and that time that we get them to go to one of our par- sportsbook partners and place a bet there's a ton of pressure points and value add opportunities that, that create a chance for cross selling. Mm-hmm. And it's the things that I just discussed. It's like sports betting is a form of sports entertainment. Mm-hmm. And so while sports betting is part is at our core, the sports betting content and data is what we deliver as our main value proposition. And it's what we're passionate about. It's really just one aspect of the larger sports entertainment economy. And what and why not have one centralized place where you can just consume all things sports? You, and and that's the goal is to get the leagues and the teams on the platform as well as well as handicappers. And that's part of our theory is we see handicappers evolving into how uh, influencers operate on traditional social media outlets now. So we'll offer transparency. We'll track the results so that way you know they're verified and you you know that you're not just going to pay for someone's uh, advice that is just some Joe Schmo sitting in a basement. But what we found is what really leads to that user engagement, brand loyalty, and the repeat customer is that added layer of engagement and entertainment. So by, by being engaging and, and posting fun videos and responding to our users' comments on your feeds, that's what really gets them coming back for more. And I don't know, I think it was on Showtime, right, when sports betting got passed, there was a, a show that came out on sports betting, and there was a guy called Vegas Dave. The entire show was about how much he lost, but, but now he's more successful than ever because people love the, his whole persona. They love the entertainment piece of it. And millennials are, uh, and this goes back to, they just want to feel appreciated. Kind of the three pillars that, that we found really drive millennials um, was that if you give them this entertainment you, and you can develop this connection with them, that you appreciate them as, as a follower, it, it's, they will be, it's millennials are very brand loyal is mm-hmm. what we have found. And look at Whole Foods, right? Like the Whole Foods culture spoke to a certain demographic. And because it was the first grocery store that that ever said, hey, we can hear you. We hear what you're trying to say. You want this type of product. They will forever be. I live in Philly. I go down to South Street. There's an Acme and a Whole Foods right across the street from each other. The Whole Foods line is literally around the block. They they both only let so many people in. You got to social distance. People will wait two hours 
two hours just to, for the right to go into the Whole Foods when there is no line at the Acme. Mm-hmm. It, it's insane and, and right millennials are brand loyal just just listen to them G- give them value and it, it, it it's crazy it, it's just if you have that long-sighted business plan in mind and you don't only look at the near term and i think there's a balance in both um then you're just going to emerge as a marketing leader a market leader in my opinion especially in this industry I love it. And we're rooting for you, man. We are absolutely rooting I, for you. I appreciate that. And vice this versa. Was, I'm looking yeah. forward to trying to make something happen with us. Absolutely, dude. We're looking forward to it too. So this was absolutely fantastic. Andrew Wolfington, president of Vigit. We're going to have a lot of links in the show notes for everyone to check out the app if that's available to everyone just to go browse and see what's going on there. So, hey, I mean, we got a lot of sports betters. We got a lot of DFS players here. Can't hurt to check it out, right? Get to learn a little bit more and start to stay engaged. And as you said, I don't want to see I don't want to see pictures of my kids or my friends' kids. I don't want to see that. I just give me my, yeah. give me the lines. Let me see what I can see. So I really appreciate your time today, man. Thank you so much. No, I, I appreciate that. And uh, anyone, please feel free to download the app on the Google Play, Google Play or uh, Apple App Store and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, all the various social media channels. Everything will be in the show notes. Appreciate your time, Andrew.